Welcome to episode 29 of Crave the Book. Today, Amber and I are going to be covering chapters 48 through 52 of Tracy Wolf's Crush. And we're getting back to our normal schedule this week after three very, very wonky weeks. We'll talk a little bit about why these last three weeks have been so wonky, but we are excited to be back into our normal flow with our normal scheduled episodes. So guys, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. All right, guys, episode 29, and we're back to our somewhat normal um, recording schedule. Last week, I was out, and the week before that, we didn't have an episode because I was also out. I had a stomach infection, and then uh, my my little chihuahua passed away a week ago today, so we Obviously, we're not able to record because I was not feeling up to it. But Amber and her husband, Scott, took the wheel last week. If you missed that episode, episode 28, make sure you go back and listen to it. It was um, not following our normal episode scheme where, you know, because we're currently reading Crush. Uh, Amber and Scott covered a little bit of the first book, but Amber also gave some, like, spoilers into uh, some of the other books. So I I would say that it's a good one to listen to if you've read probably up to crush i think is as far as you got with your spoilers amber yeah i mean i'm i'm i didn't go too much into court because it, it wasn't really necessary for the questions that he asked mhm um but i kind of wanted to give some answers because he is definitely not going to read any more <laughs> yeah yeah it's not it's not uh it's definitely not a series catered to the 30 year old british man audience absolutely not <laughs> but it, but it does have a lot of laughs i listened to the whole thing um i was i was super sad uh, obviously last tuesday when i normally do my editing so i actually listened to the entire episode while I was editing it just to keep my mind off of things. And I laughed quite a bit. And the entire time, Scott was like, I don't know. Nobody's going to like this. Nobody's going to like this. I'm like, no, this is hilarious, people. (laughs) And they loved it. Everybody said that Scott's voice should be the the Hudson narrator because they like him more than the person who apparently does the audiobook. Maybe is it because it's an authentic British? Is is the Hudson voice not I don't know. Actually British. Is let's, it an American putting on a voice? Let's let's do some some homework. You know, I've found okay. that Americans putting on British voices aren't as convincing as British people putting on American voices because like Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> his American accent, everyone says he sounds like he's from Ohio, um like in Guns Akimbo. I think that he's very convincing. I would never know. Robert Pattinson. He, well, our, our media is mostly, 90% yeah. American. However, the, the British stuff that you do get over is so diluted that the British accents that you do get are either RP, so you believe that we all talk like this, and it's a very posh, posh yeah. accent, <laughs> or you get like Snatch, where we all sound like Jason Statham in... Well, super dirty london it's it's like you get the the occasional british character sprinkled in and yeah. they're the trope or you're yeah, watching something it's always, a, it's always a cliche yeah or it's like harry potter where you kind of get desensitized to it because everybody has the accent and i assume that that's how it is for you guys where you turn on you watch something and it's all americans 
but you're just desensitized to the accents because you're so used to them. The, the the thing is with American like things that we watch, a lot of the jokes do go over our heads because they're usually mentioning people and references that we just foods and pop culture. We have no yeah. reference. Yeah. Um, but with a, a British comedy, we could have exactly the same depending on the era at which the comedy was brought out. So, for example, uh, Only Fools and Horses is a typical British comedy that has been watched by thousands and millions of people across the globe. But there's so many references in that that even though I'm British, I don't understand. Yeah. I think um, it all depends on how you were brought up and the comedy that you were brought up with. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's <laughs> it's the same for us. Like, I'm not going to sit and understand, like, references in, like, a old Western, you know, just, I don't know what the heck they're yeah. talking about, you know? Um. Well, before we get too far in, I need to note, let's see, it's around the eight minute mark. Um, guys, if you are new here and this is your first time listening, which, you know, hopefully it's not, hopefully you've listened to more of us, but if this is your first time and you have not read past chapters, uh, let's see, we're doing 48 through 52 of Crush. So if you haven't read past chapter 52 of Crush, um, or I would even dare say some things from Covet and Court. There is a very specific sound that you're going to want to listen out for just so you don't get any spoilers because after that sound, we're going to be diving into some spoilery topics. Amber, do you want to tell them what that sound is? Yes, the sound that you did not hear in the last week's episode <laughs> is, of course, our wolf howl. It has now become synonymous with our crave the book podcast everybody can hear it um and it is uh sounds like this and it is the moment where everything before it is pretty much spoiler free but everything after it could could ruin your day if you have not read up to and including maybe even court um and just so everybody is aware i am sick i don't sound like this normally um, and there may be a few coughs, sputters and sneezes and sniffles throughout as I do have COVID. Yeah. So it's just been, be aware. It's been a crappy like last three weeks. I had I had stomach infection and was vomiting and then Itty passed away last week and now Amber has COVID. It's just... Well, my husband actually had COVID. He had COVID when he was recording last week's episode. He just didn't know it yet. He was feeling sicker and sicker and sicker throughout the recording and actually stopped me a few times so that he could cough away from the microphone. And then once we finished, he edited it and then went to bed. And then he didn't get up for like 52 hours. Well, he sounded great. (laughs) (laughs) Nice and husky. (laughs) Maybe that's what everybody liked. They didn't necessarily, it wasn't that they liked Scott. They just liked sick Scott. (laughs) They liked the COVID. The COVID Scott. Uh, All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into it. Keeping in mind that Amber and I did read these chapters three weeks ago. Um, (laughs) So we did not reread them again. We are going to have some patchy memory, but we do have our notes um, cause we didn't have time to reread after those three weeks. So we'll, we'll just jump right in. Uh, where we left off, Grace is in the cafeteria, I believe, um, yeah. with, with talking everybody. Luders. Yeah. They're talking about Luders and she's doubting herself, you know, not, not sure if she actually wants to 
compete because it sounds really, really scary. She doesn't know how to fly yet, which would be an essential part of competing. But Flint takes it. Do you realize it takes him a page and a half to actually announce what the prize is? He's like, oh, but the prize is going to be really (laughs) great this year. And then no one shuts up for like a page and a half. And he's just like, I've been trying to tell you, but no one would shut up. I've had a few moments like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, you want to know, but you won't shut up and let me tell you. And then he reveals that the prize is from the Queen's – now, this this is confusing. It's from the Queen's private collection, a stone that they gifted to Byron's parents on the night of Byron's mate's death. What, so what, so what right would the king, is it the king and queen that are presenting the prize or is it Byron's parents? I have no idea because we also find out that it's Hudson's blood later on. So So I was second guessing myself on that. I'm like, was, because I don't think, I don't recall a point where it said that it was Hudson's blood from the, for the bloodstone. I swear it is. I thought so. Someone in the someone in the comments needs to let us know because during my reread I was like looking for that but I'm starting to think that I misread it where it said the night of like someone's death and I like my brain like inserted Hudson cuz I thought that it was Hudson's blood for the bloodstone and that that was a gift to in either way it was gifted to Byron's parents are the king and queen the ones who have presented this as the prize are they like yeah, are they they've like, now revoked I, the gift. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, you can't, you, you can't keep it. We're gonna give it away to some children for winning. A... Did like was Byron at the table? Did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Flint's just sitting there like, drum roll, please. Da, 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 da. <laughs> like, it's like, oh yeah, his parents are now giving away the engagement ring that you gave away. You know that thing, that really special thing that you had with your partner, <laughs> right, on the night of her death. Yeah, that's. Very, it's very strange. Very strange. I'm a little confused about the 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 mechanics of bloodstone. Well, it was it giving. was all orchestrated by the blood letter, wasn't it? So, I mean, maybe it doesn't need to make sense. She just needed to have scared enough people in the right kind of way for it to happen. That's true. That's true. It could. She she said that no that she would make sure that a bloodstone was that they had the opportunity to get one. So. Um, Through so, nefarious ways. Yeah. <laughs> so Grace is nervous about Ludares, and when they leave the cafeteria, um, Flint hollers, and y- she's walking with Jackson, and Flint's like, hey, wait up. And then, like, he arrives, and something I noticed that I didn't take note of was that he's, like, super breathless, and he's, like, really scatterbrained. And he's just like, wait, hold on. Too many thoughts going on at once. Okay. Here's what I'm trying to say, and I I liked that because I I can't, I can completely relate to that where I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. Okay, (laughs) now give me a moment to decide what I actually want to say now that I have your attention. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I definitely want to tell you something. I just cannot seem to form the sentence. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he basically tells Grace that if they're going to do Ludere's, it would probably be a good idea for them to get in some of that flying practice that he had uh-huh. been talking about. So she's um, 
she's feeling very nervous about that, but she also still has that assignment to do where they're supposed to be flying around the school taking pictures of architecture. Yes, which I don't, do they ever even really do? I think Flint does uh, it for uh, her. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> no. <I don't>, <laughs> Poor Grace, she's, she doesn't go to any classes and she doesn't submit any assignments. <laughs> it's not It's not important, Amber, it's not important. She's a garden she's a girl. did she graduate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, um, so Flint, you know, proposes the the flying lessons hudson is grumbling in the background but then grace is like oh wait who better to ask about the dragon boneyard than a dragon so they start and, talking and no one else agreed yeah <laughs> everybody else is like no don't involve flint no don't involve flint it's like yeah well how else are you going to find a sacred location to dragons without a dragon right Right, and this is this is before Eden Eden is in the picture, so Flint's the only one that they're cool with. He's he's all they've got right now, yeah. Um, and then I love your note. <laughs> Why didn't anyone think that Flint would be useful in uh, locating the Dragon Boneyard? And you no, know, and, no one does. Yeah, they're just gonna. I mean, there's really, and they don't have like any information on it at all. Like, even Flint is like, when they finally talk to him about it, he's like, I'll ask my grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then even she's really shady about it. Yeah. I mean, I guess if it's some, like, ancestral burial ground, it might be a little weird. Like, oh, yeah, you can take your friends. Like, (laughs) And then when, like, within the books and and spoiler free as much as i possibly can when they get there it's not exactly hospitable for the people who are living no so i'm not surprised that she wasn't exactly forthcoming with the location (laughs) right right the dragons are able to enter quite easily i think that they said that they they do go there the dragons can go there but yeah um so let's see they go to then a study session so they, they all go to a study session it may um with macy yeah to hudson's not Hudson's, Jackson's room. And Grace then discovers how much Jackson's room's changed. Because this is the first time since she was a gargoyle that she has been back to his room. Which says a lot, considering that she's supposed to be his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, he's totally catered it to her. He got like a nice new coffee table and a cozy couch for two and a little, a little, a little dining room table in the corner. Like he's, he's made it very cozy for a couple. And And she's not gone to visit. (laughs) And now she's like orchestrated a visit but it's chaperoned by like eight other people <laughs> yeah, it's all all of their friends are gonna go and do as macy called it the marathon study sesh which i mm-hmm. think i think i want to do for an asmr marathon study sesh the thing is the the like reference was so small as to, that i don't yeah i don't think people will remember that macy called it the marathon study sesh so well, might... she takes some very specific foods to it um and also there is the lighting of all the flames in the room. So you could kind of have like a warmth. Yes. Yeah. All of a sudden. Yeah, they were. Cool. I think they were. Were they eating pizza? I think they were eating pizza. Pizza. Was it pizza? It was pizza. Yeah. I remember Oreos. Flint was carrying pizza boxes, I think. I think he had like three pizza boxes. <laughs> yeah. I remember the scene 
I, I mainly remember um, Grace going to pick up some food, bring like, I think she was going to bring food over to them and she steps away and she has a quick conversation with Hudson and he said something about the horde is getting restless. Ooh. I remember, I remember that. I, I believe that was. I also remember the um, the entire thing where um, Grace invites Macy. No, I think Flint invites Macy to the study group, and she's like, "Oh," and, the, and and then Grace is like, "Oh no, you you said that you were going to hang out with Gwen or whatever her name was. It Gwen? Who was her name? I think it was Gwen. Yeah, you you said you were going to hang out, and then Macy's like, "Shut up! Shut I've up! Just been invited." <laughs> <laughs> Back. This is when Macy still was crushing hard on Flint, which you know slowly. But even so, you would still want to be invited to something with like two of the most important popular people at school than your friends that you know you can kind of go to their house or whatever whenever you wanted. Yeah. Like, do you want to come to this really cool party with all the popular kids, or do you want to stay at home and have the study session that you said you were going to have? Yeah. When, especially I'll have the when beer it's, keger, please. it's a little bit higher stakes too, because it yeah. is for you know winning this Luders competition. Yeah. Um, we also it was, it was it was all to to find out what Grace could actually do because no one knew, <laughs> and they still don't. No, they're rubbish. They are the worst researchers in the world. Well, Macy does find out one one important thing, which was, I think, in our last episode, um, we discovered that Macy, she tries to do her uh, her glamour on Grace, and Grace is like, oh, I must just be too glamorous already because it's not working. Um, and Macy thought that maybe her magic was just on the fritz or there was something wrong. But we do find out that gargoyles are immune to magic, but they can kind of channel it. Yes. And and also it seems to be very temperamental, this immunity. Um, so I put hashtag immune to magic and yet not, but she is and also isn't. <laughs> <laughs> We'll we'll make that the hashtag, guys. Hashtag immune to magic, and yet not, but she is and also isn't. Everybody got that? <laughs> you guys remember that? I think it ties in everything well together. <laughs> yes. Um, and then you know we didn't even take any notes on on the on the candle lighting scene, but that was a very intimate scene to me, where it, it's yes. almost like. What I like the most about it is how everybody is telling her, it's okay, it's all right, we can do it tomorrow. She's trying to light these candles, and she's she's struggling, she's not able to... It's like when someone tells you to meditate, and they're like, no, you just clear your mind. And you're like, I can't. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how. Except she's trying to channel Macy's magic and light the candles in the room, and... I think what I like the most about this scene is how Hudson not only encourages her, but he, he's like, you know, screw what everybody else is saying. He like just, he is over top of them. He's like, no, don't listen to them. You're going to listen to me. You're going to do, you're going to do this. And it's just, it's such daddy vibes when he's like, I mean, really, to say like, oh, don't, you're not going to listen to your boyfriend. You're not going to listen to your cousin. You're going to listen to me because mm-hmm. they're doubting you. 
I don't doubt you. I know you can do this. Don't don't listen to what they're saying. You listen to me and you do what I say and you'll be able to do it. And she does. Yeah. Like, he inserts himself as an authority figure in her life and makes her realize that if she does listen to him, things happen. Yeah. And he, because and he, otherwise it would have just flopped. It, it would have been a really flop scene. <laughs> right. And I mean, there's ways, like... There's ways to do that bad. I always I always refer back to Twilight because it's the perfect perfect example of something toxic that we all like love. Oh yeah, like, I don't mean, listen to anybody else. Listen to me. Yeah, like Edward. Edward did it in a very um, like for example. I'm trying to think of a good scene. Like him going and um, what did he do? He did something to her truck. He to Bella's truck when she wanted to go see Jacob. Oh yeah, he re- he removed something. He, he like, removed like a disconnected the uh like yeah. the battery cables yeah he he took the brake fluid out <laughs> he did the brake fluid out he did the headlight some, fluid the blinker fluid yeah he removed um, he 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 made her go to the shops for a, a long wait <laughs> <laughs> but the he, bubble in a spirit level <laughs> he kept he kept her truck no go truck no go and she wanted <laughs> to go see jacob because she was you know she is at she the, loved him. She was, was a friend. Right. She was 18 at the time and wanted to make her own decision to go see him before she turned into a vampire when she knew that that would complicate things very, very hard to the point where they wouldn't be able to see each other. He might potentially want to kill her. And Edward made a decision for her that she did not agree with. Now, this is different with Hudson, where Hudson isn't forcing her He's not taking taking her and making her, but he's pushing her to go past her comfort level of her own mm-hmm. accord. And this is the difference between someone who is being mentally abusive in, in the in the Edward case versus someone who is taking you and trying to go past your irrational fear and dive into that deeper core of you. And that's what makes it so intimate and where like i mean you know i was still rooting for grace and jackson by this point when i did my first read through um you knew it was probably harder for you because you knew that i was in love with hudson when you started reading them so you knew that <laughs> you knew that jackson and grace weren't endgame but like for me also, hudson made more sense to me yeah I think that was my that was my issue was that he made more sense to me he calmed grace down in a way that Jackson didn't mm-hmm. like all she was talking about when she was with Jackson is like, she was getting the flutters and she was getting all of like all of a fluster and all of a bother. And that she couldn't think of like why he would be with her. And yet with Hudson, she didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it. And it's all just more natural. Like even, even mm-hmm. the, even the arguing is more natural. There's not a lot yeah. of thought behind it, not a lot of like it's fears. It's back and forth. And it's also an equal argument where one of the persons that are arguing knows that the other suddenly will go, actually, you're right. Right. None of them carry on and go, well, we'll just agree to disagree. Yeah. And like, like the whole um, island scene in, um, is it covered? Where Jackson just pretty much forces Grace's hand. He does, he does, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He's just like, no, we're going. Yeah. That's not that's not compromise. That's not a relationship. That's not something that can be rectified. That's not something that they can go. Okay, well, I want to do this, but if you let me, if if you are with me one hundred percent with this, then we can also do this for you. 
it wasn't like that. It was a complete commandeering of a situation and saying that her opinion and her fears were not valid. Yeah, it's one of those things where we have to kind of think it back to nature where, okay, if you're in a relationship and your partner says we are equal, think of it like I'm trying to think of two powerful animals, two tigers, I guess. If you have two tigers that are equal and those tigers get into a fight, if they are truly equal, then one cannot win. And they will eventually have to make a mutual agreement to stop fighting at some point. If if they are truly equal, you know, it's it's unless one has an advantage and if one does then they're then they're not equal so when we think about it with people if you are truly equal then one does not have the ability to say this is how it is Mm -hmm. and your and your choice of what you want to do is not valid in this situation even if the situation is small because if they are telling you how it is and you do not get a choice even if it's something as silly as, oh, you know, we're not eating here for dinner. I don't care if you want to go there. We're not eating here. It doesn't matter how small it is. That is them saying that you are not equal in the decision. All You're not important. Exactly. You're, what you want to do is not valid. So in your, in your bad relationship, did you also just knowingly just not go into arguments, just knowing that even if I wanted to do something that was the complete opposite of what he's currently making me do, there's no point in me making a stand against it because I will lose the argument. So there's no point in me even bringing it up. I'll just do it. Yeah. All the time. All the time. I would and just... because he won. <laughs> yeah. It was... Um, And that's not to say that in a healthy relationship, you can't pick your battles. Um, I, I'm very big on picking my battles. If it's something that I don't care about, but I know that my husband does. For example, if we're going out to eat and he's got like, I don't know, some like crazy craving for like Mediterranean food, which I'm not a huge fan of. If he, but I really don't care either way. I'll eat anything. Yeah. Like I, I don't, <laughs> when it comes to food, like I might, it might not be my first choice, but I will literally eat anything because I don't have like an emotional attachment to food like he does. I just, I'll eat whatever's in front of me, whether I like it or not. It's sustenance to me. Um, so if like for some reason he woke up one day and he's like, I have to get Mediterranean and it didn't sound very good to me, I would pick my battles and be like, all right, you know, whatever we can, we can get Mediterranean. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Even but if even it's not- if you did that, you would then still be able to choose from the menu when yeah. you got there. So <laughs> that you could choose something a little less Mediterranean than right. you were expecting. I'll get the, I'll get the chicken nugget kids meal and curly fries. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had anybody order for you? Yes, uh, my abusive um, ex-boyfriend took me to Texas Roadhouse, which you got to go to twice while you were here. Um, and, uh, it was the first time he had taken me on like a nice date because when you're a teenager, Texas Roadhouse is very expensive. That's a nice, it's a nice yeah. date. It's a nice <laughs> restaurant. There's people singing in the next aisle. Um, oh God! But uh, yeah, he's like, well, I'm gonna take you on a nice date, and I was so excited, and I got all dressed up, and we went, and I started looking at the steaks, and he was like no 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 make sure that you make sure that you get a salad because i don't i don't have enough money for that i don't have enough money for anything but a salad 
Wow. So he took but me he on was, a like, night. Of all the things to like to say that you had to choose as well, the salad. <laughs> I, I had to get it. He was um he was very much in charge of what I looked like at all times, and if I was Ugh. eating eating a little more or something that he didn't really approve of, he made sure to to let me know in a way that was kind, but that destroyed my self esteem. Like, oh, you sure did shovel in those fries awfully fast. <laughs> wow. Also, if. If you can't afford a steak, don't take your girlfriend to Texas Roadhouse to, to a steak. where their signature dish is a steak. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to Red Lobster, but you can't take any of the crab or the lobster. You have to have like the sides. Yeah, you it's can. Like, Why did you bring me here? You can have the chicken nuggets. <laughs> you, you can be like me and just eat the sprouts and feel very uncomfortable with anything else that was on my plate. <laughs> Yeah, genuinely it's... true story. <laughs> I had a breakdown over crab. <laughs> she, uh, she had, she was a, she was not a fan of the whole. No. Apparently, apparently, the Brits don't get whole big yummy crabs on their plate when they go. We to might. A... I've just never been to a place that does that. <laughs> but I don't think that it was even because it was a crab or that because it was a lobster. My brain just couldn't handle my hands being so greasy. Yeah, that's. And it, I just broke. <laughs> I couldn't control my Seaf- reaction. Seafood I was like, I don't is- want to touch anything. I don't want. I want to. I don't feel it. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to move. I'm just going to stay here, and I'm going to look very uncomfortable until somebody looks up and goes, "Are you okay?" <laughs> oh, you and you simp for Remy, and you think that that our little sweet Cajun boy isn't getting mm-hmm. down on ripping open some crab legs with his little bib? Oh God! But did oh, you? God. We went to. Um, we just went to a Cajun place uh, for my daughter's birthday, and they brought us yep. like a bib and gloves and wet. Yeah, any naps. food that requires a bib is a no from me. <laughs> and everybody, I wouldn't wear it. I refused. My husband put on his little. <laughs> it, it had like a big lobster picture on it. He like tied his little bib around himself, <laughs> and I'm just like, I am not. I am you know not. the scene. You know the scene in Emperor's New Groove where like they tap the pill bug <laughs> and it opens <laughs> and the steam comes that is just that 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 moment is anything <laughs> this crab lobster just immediate uncomfortability <laughs> yeah that that scene grossed me out but at the same time i remember watching the first lion king when timon and pumbaa were eating the big like juicy bugs and i was like now that now those look good those are colorful <laughs> <laughs> this looks juicy. This looks like ew. This looks fruity. All right. And yeah, I, I when I was a kid, I ate ladybugs <laughs> because I thought they were smarties. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever um just eaten bugs in the wild. <laughs> they they must be expertly prepared. Okay. Um. Yes. Where the hell are we? Where? Oh, so, the candle lighting. Um, candle lighting. So, yeah. Candle lighting, and also um they are talking about how. Um, gargoyles are not just like naturally immune, but they're also like slightly harder to kill. And I think there was a, a moment where Jackson says to Flint, "Well, that didn't seem to matter when you had your talons in her." Ooh. And then Hudson goes, "Is that where the scars are from?" And uh, he was so angry, the fury from him i was like oh yes daddy (laughs) amber and i are on the same boat the second that that hudson or any any male character gets a little angry it's just like oh (laughs) 
It's like angry, a, angry on the main character's part. Yeah, yeah. Not not angry at them. No, to well, be honest. No, even that too. I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Hudson's. You're gonna push me too far one of these days. I'm just like, oh yeah, push it's, him. It's never like an anger directly at them. It's always an anger around them because yeah. of a situation, not because of them. Yeah, yeah. I think. I don't know. It's a complicated emotion. <laughs> it depends on the context of the emotion. I, 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 we must do more research on this topic. I'm going to be reading um, as soon as I get through Crescent City, which everybody keeps telling me like, oh Crescent my God, it's, it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. And I'm still like at the beginning and I'll, I'll admit I am not understanding any anything that I'm reading because there's so many no? no so many little groups and things it's I, I was expecting like medieval fantasy and it's like m- modern day like like investigative you know like they're in a right now they're in a police station and they got like cell phones and security cameras and like I'm I'm it's I, it's catching me off guard I'm, I'm struggling to keep up with all these paranormals. <laughs> or not paranormals what's what's the word for all these fey type creatures yeah i'm I'm, mm. I'm struggling hardcore but i'm gonna keep with it because everybody tells me it's good but anyway i want to read from blood nash next because everybody says that it's spicy and i need some more spicy okay um <laughs> so she lights the candles so it well, no speaking of spice um grace says no 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 i can't be immune to vampire bites <laughs> <laughs> and just totally let slip to everybody that like Jackson's just been given her orgasms. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I what it's I just hate- Mace, it just Macy like how do you know that you're not Oh. Nice. Oh. I wish <laughs> and I then everybody's like looking everywhere but and Hudson's just fuming in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that the thing is that that is incongruent is that Jackson didn't just own that moment. Whereas with Finn and in Crave, Finn came to Jackson's tower, knocked on the door, and Jackson's like, "Hold on, she's got to get her clothes on." And Ew. that and that wasn't that didn't really happen. Like she she didn't have her clothes off, but he blew that moment out of proportion. What would have yeah. been more congruent with Jackson's character is if he would have just. Owned that Waggled moment. his eyebrows, like, oh yeah. Yeah, like, like you know, I know what the lady likes. And that would have made... I, Hudson- do feel, I do feel like it's kind of cheating, though. Do you think... What, the, that you can that you can orgasm just from getting bit? Yeah, like, he doesn't have to put any effort in. Yeah, it's a teeny bopper's dream, though, where you don't have to... You don't, you don't have to work at it. It just, it's just yeah. And I and I love that both of both of the brothers, both of the vampire brothers, are like that's not how bites work. <laughs> and they're like that. <laughs> they're like arguing over foreplay. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So we find out that there are multiple different types of bite. There's there's like there is a bite to kill. You have to do and it the- with with uh, is it was it you have to do it with intention. Yeah, like so he, Jackson has to want Grace to, <laughs> to come. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, to work. It's a special venom. It's that new um, that new for her pleasure KY jelly ribbed uh, ribbed for her pleasure bite. You know. <laughs> okay. Um. So Grace ends up lighting the candle after Hudson gets like <clears> right like. Uh, this this scene where he's behind her, like pressed up against her, like he's got he's like holding her hands out and like whispering in her ear, like release. Must look really odd from everybody else in the room. 
Well, she probably just looked like she was doing it of her own accord. And I think that's what makes it so sexy is that no one else could see that Hudson was literally like pressed up on her. And then like mm. I, they like looked at each other like afterwards, like they they shared that like eye contact for a moment. And then he <laughs> and then he just like backed up all the way across the room. So he disappears. He full on disappears. Yeah, he doesn't come back for a while either. Well, yeah, he's pitching a tent. He's got to hide that sucker. <laughs> Pitch in the tent. <laughs> I'm just gonna let you just carry on giggling. <laughs> so anyway, you then just Grace going. does a little bit of research herself because she realizes that she's contributed absolutely nothing to this research session so far. Just the tent, just the tent poles. Yep. And um she yeah, she she finds out that um that there are balance like creatures of balance and they're really good at like waiting hundreds of years within their statue and there is a line in it that just (laughs) cracks me up and it's just as i suspected i make an excellent garden gnome (laughs) (laughs) oh that's perfect yeah that line just makes me giggle and she's just like oh just paint me pink and i'll be a great (laughs) yard flamingo (laughs) I love that she just she doesn't take any of it seriously like the whole time. Her her mm. thoughts mimic ours as the reader where we're yes. like what the hell is she going to do as a statue and then she says exactly what we're thinking. What the hell yeah. am I going to do as a statue? Yeah. So shall we move into spoilers? Yes, we're right at the 40 minute mark, so that'll be easy for me to okay. remember. Good timing. So uh, that was a COVID COVID howl there. Well, that was COVID that was howl. a like, your voice is going to slightly break completely out of your control. <laughs> well, and lucky for you, the <clears throat> first spoiler is long, and you wrote it. So, um, and this one yes. is this one's court related, guys. So, is it is it anything intense that's going to like ruin court? No. Okay. Not really. Okay. I don't think so. And anything it is is very like close to the beginning. Okay. I don't know. Close to the beginning is. Um, is subjective because that book is long. <laughs> yeah. Nothing nothing that's going to ruin the book for you if you haven't read it. All no. right. Um, but yeah, I, I say that Grace never seems to actually ask for help from the right people, ever. She doesn't ask Flint for help finding the dragon boneyard, like, straight off the bat. She, she doesn't ask the blood letter about being a gargoyle and what it means and... Um, if she knew anything about being a gargoyle, despite her saying that it used to be her specialty and that she's lived for thousands of years, and she doesn't ask Chastain or Alistair like what it actually means to be queen, or that she needed the Godstone to save the children, like she she just never actually asks or speaks to the right people. She never asks and, Finn anything either, and he. No. That's like not asking, you're not asking Dumbledore for help. Like what, you know, it's, it would be, it would be better to have like the headmaster of the school in on what you're doing because he obviously doesn't oppose, you know, in the, as the, right, as the books progress, he's on board, you know, he's like, you know, you guys do what you need to do. He's making excuses for her as well so that she's not so like restricted yeah like a normal student would be either right right yeah but yeah she she never asks the people that matter and i feel like and although it would definitely it would shorten the books 
Um, but I feel like it wouldn't be so much of a haphazard finding out of her powers. Um, she would also be a bit more wise to what was expected of her as a queen as well, because even at the end of court, she doesn't know what she needs to do for the role, really. Yeah, she has no idea what it entails. No. Um, and that for an 18-year-old, she doesn't ask any questions, so therefore she's not going to be the best queen, whether she's that young or not. It's a very... Um, it's, it's, it's a silly expectation of herself to think that she could just work, work it out and find it out herself. I think it's very self-centered of her to just think that either no one cares about her enough to give her the correct answers or that she doesn't need people to give her the answers. Yeah. And and I don't know whether that's just an 18-year-old's mentality or whether that's just grace or whether that was just the way that fiction was written so that the books were a little bit longer. I'm not really sure, but maybe it was, she's, it's very frustrating. Maybe she's just afraid of looking dumb. Like, she doesn't want to come, like, you know, have you ever been... It's a whole world that she's never been a part of before. So, yeah. I mean... No one would think that she was dumb. I think it's They're like... Just in, it's just naive. I, I've definitely been in that position where like, okay, like you, you're... you're gargoyle? Yeah, I've been a gargoyle. Um, <laughs> I've been a dragon. No, like where she's been in class or where you've been in class and a, um, I don't know, like a teacher like helps you with something that you're confused on and they explain it like three times and you still don't get it, but then you're just like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> like, you get to the point where you just don't want to ask anymore because you feel dumb. And I get that vibe oh, yeah, from I her. I have that with, um, with names. Yeah. Like, where they've if I've told asked you. for that person's name and I didn't remember it the first time, I'm never asking for their name ever again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that, you know, it's a feeling that everybody can relate to, even if it doesn't necessarily make for the best choices that grace is making i think that you know the key to making a successful uh ya story is making sure that the the young person reading connects to the character's mm -hmm. emotions so I, I guess it makes sense i don't know it's just like, like if it was me the first thing i would do is go okay um tell me everything um why am I a gargoyle? How am I a gargoyle? What does this mean? Um, but instead, she's kind of just expecting everybody else to kind of find out for her and tell her directly, or her to just work it out through bumbling through life. Yeah. And it's going to get her killed. Unless she's got a super hunky... Amazing... Vampire... Like, boyfriend. family around her. No. To save her life every single time. Nope, just the vampire boyfriend. <laughs> don't need anybody else just just the explodey vampire boyfriend um <laughs> we get our first don't hold back tell me how you really feel moment which yeah. we, we hear multiple times from hudson but this this was the first one yep and poor boy getting insulted constantly all the time yeah he, he has to he has to just listen to it as well like imagine if you were in someone's head who like physically hated you from day one just constantly listening to how much they hate you constantly and how much they think that you're evil and you can't turn it off you can't shut it out you it, begin to start feeling that that was the truth even if you knew that it like that's not who i am 
Yeah. He would just begin to go, do you know what, then paint me the bad guy because there's no point in me trying to prove you wrong. And it's got to be, you know, this is the first moment where Grace actually is like, oh, you know, Hudson helped me. And like she, she tells everyone once Hudson starts helping her, like she starts pointing it out. And then everyone else is like Macy was like, oh, I didn't realize that you and Hudson were so close. And, you know, and the few times that Jackson finds out that Grace, like that Hudson has been helping Grace, he's just immediately angry and suspicious and dismissive. Yeah. And when Grace starts actually warming up to Hudson a little bit, like just having everyone hate him, I mean, that's got to be mentally deteriorating for, for both of them. And I know that I've, now granted my friends were right, but I've dated guys where I was like, I was super excited and he was super duper nice. And I was like really excited to like come out as a couple. And then everyone's like, oh, him? Ooh, yeah, he's a dirt bag. And I'm like, no, like he's, he's really sweet. And they're like, to me. Yeah. He's, and everybody's just like, no, he's an asshole. Like, yeah. Um, Run. Yeah. And then you feel, you're like, oh, do I, do I believe my friends or do I believe this person that I've been personally connecting with and who I've put faith and trust into? And then it's like a, a yeah. the decision of do I trust my instincts or do I trust what I hear from others? Yeah. But sometimes they like both can be skewed. I mean, I have friends that hate my other friends. And to me, it's always like a, like a tug of war battle because all of them want my attention. And it's like, guys, you do realize that I can have different friends for different reasons and you don't all have to get along. If you don't like them, it doesn't mean that I can't be friends with them. It just means that I'm never going to make you socialize together. Yeah. Um, and they never understand the reasons why I like the other people either. Um, and it gets to the point where they, they start like insulting each other. And just kind of dismissing the fact that I might be talking to another person. And I'm like, guys, it, if this continues, I'm not friends with any of you. Because if you can't consider that I like people on my own merit, why are you friends with me? Right. And yeah. I don't feel like I should have to defend my friends as to why I keep them around to other people when they're not the ones that are socializing with them. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like you're, you know, talking bad about your other friend group with that. It would be different if it was like this big toxicity circle, like those, yeah. those can get bad, but you know, as long as. And I, and I, and I know that the people that dislike specifically one person, I know that their reasons are valid that yes, she can be a bit Marmite where you love her or you hate her. She's very over the top. She's very needy. She's very strong flavored. <laughs> but at the same time, I have never known somebody to constantly be thinking about me and making sure that I'm okay. So I'm like, okay, yes, you might think that, but at the same time, no one else in the world is thinking about me as much as she is to make sure that I'm okay. And that I am warm and clothed and healthy and fed. And I consider her to be my big sister. 
and I might hate her and she might annoy me sometimes, but at the same time, I always go back to her because she's the one that cares. Yeah. But they don't understand that. And if I say that, I feel like I'm defending her. And I feel like, if anything, that makes you double down on it and it makes you go like, oh, yeah, but she's like this, actually, with with me. It's like, yeah, but to everybody else, she's awful. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I make it a point to not... To not have friends, have, have friends other than <laughs> other than you. I keep I make sure that my my best friend is as far away from me geographically <laughs> as possible. Apparently, because <laughs> you're it. Um, so while there, and we've discussed it that even if I did move, um, we would just Marco Polo and message each other and never even actually see each other. Yeah, it would be like a like a once a month thing. Like, hey, do you want to get together and work in the same room? <laughs> <laughs> let's go out for food but sit at separate tables <laughs> <laughs> we'll stare at each other <laughs> so during the um marathon research sesh hudson is obviously with grace and hudson's walking around jackson's tower mm-hmm. looking at assorted items and he sees the um the little wooden horse on the shelf and, and Grace mentions that yeah. the horse is very smooth, like where you've, you know, where you hold something. And which oh, was very deductive of her, considering that she's not been deductive about anything else. Yeah, she's observing the the smooth contours of the horse, and oh, he must hold it often and rub his fingers over it. Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> she's taken a lot of attention to the horse, but. Hudson yep. Hudson looks at it and then he like calls his brother a wanker or something and walks away. Loser. Yeah, a loser. L- yeah. Little less, <laughs> little less mean. <laughs> loser. <But> wanker. <laughs> there, I don't know. Wanker sounds so silly here that it's just kind of the. It sounds the same. Yeah. Um, we um we also find out that um, that obviously gargoyles are supposedly created to restore balance that they are very what was the word they, they're very orderly and then all of a sudden we find out that like grace foster pretty much the most unmayhem like person on the planet is the demigod of chaos yeah and i'm like this doesn't make actual sense like when i when i think about it i feel like the two demigods should be swapped that and um it kind of made me think that what if they were wrong and that the reason why Grace can't do the things that the blood letter tried to get her to do was because she's not her granddaughter. Oh. Because if anybody is the goddess of chaos, it's Isadora. I think that that's what makes it funny though, is that they, (laughs) their personalities don't match. I think that that's what what made it so unpredictable. So yeah, though. But either way, I'm like, mm, I'm suspicious. Yeah, because it's like as, as for gargoyles to exist, they needed to restore balance. They needed to restore order. So why would somebody be a gargoyle and chaotic? Right. And she's also not. She's very not chaotic at all. Unless you consider her, like, reasons for doing anything. It, like, she does kind of flip-flop between a lot of things. Yeah. She's like a pogo stick. It depends on it. She's she's completely guided by her emotions and how she's feeling at the time. 
which is you know which very is supposed to be, yeah the epitome of chaos really isn't it yeah and and it's very um i would say if anybody's chaotic it's a teenage girl ages 16 to 18 300 300 yeah a thousand so, how old is this adora <laughs> <laughs> i would yeah um i think that that grace grace in in particular is just very guided by her emotions Isadora is very um, driven by trauma. Whereas yes. Grace Grace has had a lot of tra- traumatic things suddenly happen to her. Isadora lived through torture, torture, uh, da- daddy, uh, daddy issues, um, mommy issues. Yeah, a lot of confusion of things. So, <laughs> and then Amber. So, you- You've got a theory. One final thing. Okay. Uh, and it, like because I wrote it three weeks ago, and I literally just wrote Amber String Theory, and then I was like, oh no, I don't know what to remember what it is. Oh no. <laughs> and then I love in the notes. This this is literally what her note says. Her note says Amber String Theory, all caps. I don't remember what this is. Dot dot dot. I'll see if I can rack my memory. Ah yes, I remember. Or I remember. So that was in, that's just all she wrote for the notes. Yes. Um, So uh, when I was reading the scene with Hudson and the fire. Yeah. I had a theory that Hudson is able to use Grace's strings whilst he's in her mind. And that was how he was able to then channel the energy because Grace wasn't able to. She wasn't, she she couldn't work out that anything was coming from Macy at all. And um, it made me think that he knows what the strings are. He can see the strings because he's the one that tells her about them in in the, the laundry room. So I was thinking, is he able to manipulate them and use them and also know that he can pull strength from Jackson's strings, so therefore he should be able to pull strength from macy's string and channel the magic because when it ends he poofs he disappears which when you said like oh he's pitching a tent and i'm like yeah that's really funny but i also think that he zapped all of his power he used it all didn't he say that it was all her didn't he like actually say like he didn't have anything to do he didn't but he would still be able to then pull and then give it to her because he could see the strings whereas she was in her mind going i don't know where the magic is coming from all i can feel is someone touching macy's touching me but i'm getting nothing which is how i'm feeling in a reiki massage not not gonna massage massage not gonna lie like just standing there and someone's like can you feel anything i'm like yes your hands on my body (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I had a theory that like Hudson is able to use the strings and know whether where the power is best manipulated, um, and then that also then made him disappear because it, it st- zapped his strength because then he disappeared and didn't come back until the flying lesson with Flint where he appeared suddenly. Yeah, and he was in a really good mood when he appeared. Like yeah. he was, he was refreshed. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm wondering whether, like, that was him, like, going into her mind, seeing all the strings, and then going, okay, this one's Macy's, uh, I I will join the gap, I will bridge the gap, so that she she can at least feel it. Yeah. Um, 
And then, then she said that the, the power that she was feeling was very familiar to her, and it was because it was Hudson's. It wasn't Macy's magic. Okay. And, yeah. So he would have been able to touch Macy's string and know this isn't enough. Yeah, because he's familiar with all her strings. There's multiple conversations mm-hmm. where he's like, where he's like, oh, have you ever wondered, like, what this string is? Like, he, he knows mm-hmm. her strings before she does. Yeah. Okay. That's one of those theories. And she doesn't, she she isn't able to see any of those strings or use any of the strings or channel any of the magic from anybody until the scene in the laundry room. Then she's able to borrow people's magic. Yeah. Because she knows how to use the strings. Whereas in that research session, she didn't. And I think it was, it was Hudson's going, okay, I'll have to use her strings for her. It's like int- she can do the magic. Introduction to the strings. Mm. Yeah. I think this is one of those theories where if you are not correct, it's one of those theories where if we were to tell Tracy, she would be like, yep, that's, yeah, mm-hmm, that's, that's exactly. Sure. Like she could, she could own, <laughs> she could own that theory and it be canon. Yeah. So. And also, I don't think it's something that we're going to get the answer to anyway, because there would be no point in referring back to that scene yeah because this already happened it's not an important integral moment in the story it was just when i was reading it i was like oh this sounds as though hudson's manipulating a little bit more than just holding her and telling her what to do because all of a sudden she can do it when before she couldn't yeah and not not just do it, but she lit all the candles. It was like everybody was yeah. like, "Whoa, that's even more powerful than." Mm-hmm. And and Macy goes, "That wasn't me. That wasn't my magic. I can only lit like do one." Yeah. And then Hudson just disappears, and then comes back like a few hours later. Yeah. Well, hell. And he has been zapping Jackson this whole time. So he clearly knows how to draw strength. <laughs> and Jackson's just looking more and more haggardly. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Jackson. He's a... Uh... Do, do you reckon it's like semi... He, he needs power and needs strength to still be like materialistic and so that he like actually is visible to Grace. But also he wants Jackson to look a little less attractive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. He's, he's, he's not... Uh... He's not, he's not not getting kicks out of siphoning some of <laughs> Jackson's soul. And also, soul. the more he does, the less energy Jackson's got for extracurricular <laughs> activities. <laughs> like, I have a headache. <laughs> I don't, I don't feel Not tonight. Like not tonight. I've got a headache. I'm tired. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that'll do it for this week's episode because we are we're right on good because my throat is so (laughs) bad (laughs) hopefully by next week there will be no more traumatic events no more sickness no more cute adorable animals dying knocking on wood right now um because this last week has been a little crazy but we're back on schedule guys uh and also if you tuned in on our youtube channel on uh, last week we did um 
are Monster Taffy ASMR. It's probably one of my favorites so far. They're it's lo- really fun to listen to. Yeah, and there's watch. there's goofy like kind of like creepy carnival music going on, and I've got like the the monster in the basement growling. I guess it's not in the basement. It's in the weird coliseum that just happens to be in the back room. Um, and then I've got the I can't remember what her name is the 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 sexy chick from from Monster Taffy. She's uh Tor no Tor I I want to say Tori but I don't think it is no God I can't remember but she's all huffing and puffing like you hear her like t- like pouring candy and then she's just like <sighs> she walks around <laughs> um so that one is currently available and then this upcoming Sunday at six p.m. Eastern will be the Northern Lights with. Jackson. It is already scheduled on the YouTube channel, so that one will be... It's Mother's Day in the UK. Oh. Um, this Sunday. Listen to it with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's that all of our all of our UK listeners, all 11 of you, listen to it with your with your moms <laughs> for Mother's Day. Um, and, they're, and they're all okay, like family friendly. <laughs> they are, really. They're all family friendly, other than your husband saying the, the something about having a gargoyle hot gargoyles panties on his shoe i think that's the only inappropriate thing that we have in the which by the way was so hard to to like edit through during our valentine's day (laughs) with hudson because i know your husband so to me it wasn't listening like for every all the listeners they're hearing Hudson, they're they're able to immerse themselves, and I'm just like seeing Amber's husband like sitting on a washing machine with panties on his shoe, and I'm just like, man, <laughs> <laughs> we can't, we can't. I should be so lucky. It's well, it's like I'm sure that actors and actresses in movies, like when they watch themselves in the movie, they're not able to immerse themselves in the movie. They're only able to see them. Like, or or critique their performance. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that we're good to stop now. Guys, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye! Bye-bye.